It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings wherever you get your podcasts. The following contains depictions of violence and one instance of attempted sexual assault that some listeners may find offensive. We advise caution for any listeners under 13. Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Greek traditions. Because mythology comes from oral tradition, there's a wide variety across sources, Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. The sun shone brightly through the circular columns of the Acropolis. From where the prince stood, it looked as though Helios himself was riding around the structure, casting his sunlight from all directions. The midday sun offered a clear view of the untouched valley beyond. Flecks of dust circled the air like tiny white gems of reflected starlight. The young prince blinked in astonishment. He had never seen such radiance in his lifetime. A grin spread on his lips, unbidden but not unwelcome. He squinted his eyes as a figure approached. It was a woman clad in flowing garments, with a shining bronze helm on top of her head. Her presence was breathtaking, and her gray eyes looked down at him with a steely kindness. He knelt in awe, for this was Athena, and she demanded respect. What do you desire, Bellerophon? Why do you sleep in the house of Aeolos? With your blessing, wise Athena, I wish to ride Pegasus, First of the Terippi. I have searched for him since I was a child, and I fear I will not be able to catch him without your wisdom. Athena smiled down on the prince and produced a golden bridle, which she set down beside him. You truly are your father's son. Take this charm and show it to your father, and make him a sacrifice of a white bull. My father? King Glaucus? Why would I make a sacrifice to him? No, your true father, the ruler of the oceans, patron of horses, Poseidon. (gasps) Bellerophon awoke alone on the cold floor of Athena's temple. 
Hours must have passed. He was slick with sweat, and the soft glow of the moon was cutting through the gap in the columns. It must have all just been a dream. But when he raised his hands to wipe the sleep from his eyes, the young prince felt a heaviness in his right hand. Clasped in between his fingers was a golden bridle. After a lifetime of searching, Bellerophon had finally found the tool he needed to tame the legendary Pegasus. Welcome to Mythology on the Parcast Network. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. Today, we're beginning the story of Bellerophon, one of the great heroes in Greek mythology. While he began his story in exile, he would soon become famous for facing one of the most terrifying monsters the ancient world had ever seen. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help us. We also now have merch. Head to parcast.com slash merch for more information. In Greek lore, Bellerophon was considered to be one of the greatest heroes from the period before the birth of Heracles. And yet he's one of the least known heroes today. Bellerophon famously rode a winged steed, Pegasus. But during the Middle Ages, Bellerophon was usurped from his own story by Perseus, the slayer of Medusa. Poets and artists began depicting Perseus as the hero who rode Pegasus, and Bellerophon's legend faded into obscurity. In many ways, Bellerophon is the purest version of the Greek hero archetype. A man of divine parentage, he manages to overcome great obstacles through the blessings of the gods, as well as his own personal shortcomings, including hubris and a fiery temper. Bellerophon was born in Corinth and raised as the son of King Glaucus and Queen Eurynome. In a dream at the temple of Athena, he learns that his true father is Poseidon, god of the seas and one of the most powerful Olympians. We begin with Bellerophon as a young prince, about to make a name for himself, completely unaware of the grievous sin that he will one day commit. Prince Bellerophon sat up on the temple floor, cradling the golden bridle in his hands. His mind spun, his thoughts raced. If the bridle was real, then Athena's revelation about his true parentage must also be. Ever since he was a child, Bellerophon longed to ride the mighty Pegasus. Could that yearning stem from his godly heritage? Poseidon was the lord of horses, so Bellerophon's longing to ride Pegasus must be part of some subconscious ambition to prove himself a worthy son. The revelations occupied his thoughts as he returned to King Glaucus's palace. He did not even notice the individual watching him from a nearby corridor. Where have you been all night? Deliades. Do not sneak up on me like that. It was too easy. You look like a man asleep. I passed out in Athena's temple. Don't tell father. 
What were you doing there, brother? Can you keep a secret? Try me. Athena came to me in a dream. She told me how to catch Pegasus. The horse again? He's a Terippus, not a horse. Ugh, oh, unshakable Bellerophon. Did Athena tell you anything else, or did she just give instructions? She said one more thing, but I do not think it wise to share it. Are you lusting after the goddess of wisdom now? <laughs> I would never be so presumptuous. You can tell me. I will take the knowledge to my grave if I have to. She told me father, uh, Glaucus, was not my true father. That I was the son of Poseidon, which is why I am worthy to ride Pegasus. Funny. What did she really say? It is no joke. I did not choose what Athena said to me. You are taking this obsession of yours too far. <sighs> I will not tell father, but do not mention this again. You dishonor our parents by speaking such lies. Before Bellerophon could protest, Deliades turned and stormed off down the hallway. Bellerophon felt a pit in his stomach. Adopted son or no, Bellerophon knew he would have to confront Glaucus with the truth eventually. But first, he needed to follow Athena's instructions to the letter, and that meant sacrificing a bull. Bellerophon was a skilled hunter. It was easy enough to capture a bull and cut its throat before the altar of Poseidon. As the fire consumed the beast's entrails, Bellerophon raised the golden bridle over his head, and he waited. After a moment of tense, fearful silence, he heard it. The sound of waves and rushing water, a pressure in his head so intense that he felt for a second that he was underwater himself. The pain subsided, the sounds diminished. Bellerophon knew a sign from the gods when he heard one. He had been given Poseidon's blessing to seek Pegasus, and he knew where he had to go next. Pyrene, the never-failing well. There he would find his quarry. Bellerophon rose before dawn and set out on his journey. He slowed down and crouched as he approached Pyrene. He did not want to risk scaring the beast before he had even laid eyes on it. He heard the surefire sound of some animal lapping up water. The well came into his sight, and yes, Pegasus was there. Bellerophon's jaw dropped in disbelief. He had expected Pegasus to be beautiful, but no tale or description could have prepared him for the radiant sight before him. Pegasus's coat was pure white, as if a fleck of dirt had never touched it. His wings were tucked to his flanks, almost invisible against his fur. Bellerophon took a soft step toward the well, and Pegasus's head shot up, suddenly aware of the approaching man. His wings spread out behind him like a powerful storm cloud, ready to lift him to freedom in a moment's notice. Bellerophon held out his hand, revealing the bridle. The creature stopped at the sight of those golden straps. Do not be afraid, mighty Pegasus, for I am not your enemy. I have longed to lay eyes on you for as long as I can remember. When I was eight, my mother, your enemy, 
told me the story of how you sprung fully formed from the neck of a gorgon. I always thought how incredible it would be to see the world as you do, from the skies, alongside the flying chariot of Helios himself. I do not wish to tame you, far from it. You would be doing me a great honor by allowing me to ride you. Did you know Poseidon is my true father? <laughs> I suppose that makes you my half-brother. So what do you say, brother? Will you take to the skies with me? As he spoke, Bellerophon took steady steps toward the beast, hands raised in a placating gesture. He moved slowly, not wanting to alarm the creature. One kick from Pegasus would kill him, and yet he felt no fear in his heart as he stepped closer and closer to the mighty steed. He met Pegasus's gaze. They were within arm's reach of one another. A moment passed. Bellerophon did not blink. And then Pegasus lowered his head, signaling that he would allow the prince to ride him. Bellerophon slipped the bridle over Pegasus's head and fastened the straps. He grinned and swung himself onto the horse's back. He barely had time to grip the reins before Pegasus outstretched his massive wings and, with a jump and a flutter, launched them both into the air. They rose above the clouds. Corinth dwindled in the distance until the entire kingdom looked smaller than an ant. The clouds rushed by Bellerophon's head, and he could see nothing but gray for what felt like an eternity. And then they broke free of the clouds and soared across the clear sky. Bellerophon had traveled higher than any mortal before him. It was the most majestic feeling Bellerophon had ever experienced. He couldn't wait to show his family. That morning, Deliades emerged from the palace to an astonishing sight. Bellerophon atop Pegasus, circling the air above. He stared in disbelief at his older brother. He felt a flicker of jealousy in his gut. Deliades was joined by King Glaucus, who beamed up at Bellerophon. Bellerophon continued to circle above, not caring how many people were watching. This was his moment, the one he would be remembered for. When we return, Bellerophon's life takes a turn for the worse after he commits an unspeakable crime. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Now, back to the story. 
Bellerophon grew into a hero and a celebrity in the years after he tamed Pegasus. He had accomplished his lifelong goal, and now he was content to bask in the glory of his own great deeds. Flush with newfound pride, Bellerophon asked for the hand of Aethra, princess of a neighboring kingdom. Her father, King Pythias, blessed the union. Bellerophon had everything he'd ever wanted in life. But his bliss would not last. One afternoon, Bellerophon found his brother lying face down on a dirty street, sodden and smelling strongly of wine. Come back with me to the palace, brother. You need a bath. The palace? I thought they had reserved a throne for you in Olympus by now. You are drunk. I am honest. I'm not pretending to be something I am not. What am I pretending to be? A hero. Soaking up adoration from your people, all for taming a horse. What has become of you, brother? We used to be so close. What have I become? Are you so lost in the clouds that you cannot see? I have wilted in your shadow. Come with me. I'm going to take you home. Get away from me! Get a hold of yourself. The brothers fell into a brawl, clawing and beating at each other as the crowd watched on. Bellerophon found himself on top of his brother, punching him again and again until... Deliades lay still, not moving, not breathing. Bellerophon tried to gather his scattered thoughts. What had he done? Someone call the palace guard. There has been a murder. I am so sorry, brother. I must take responsibility for this. The punishment for murder was death, but King Glaucus could not bring himself to execute his own son. He exiled Bellerophon from Corinth, and the former prince was forced to leave the only home he'd ever known. His wedding to Princess Aethra was called off, and no one else stood by Bellerophon, except for Pegasus. Bellerophon vanished into the wilderness with the winged horse by his side. He didn't ride Pegasus. He was no longer worthy. His thoughts were a haze of guilt, regret, and confusion. Bellerophon was so entrenched in his own vicious thoughts that he didn't really pay attention to where he was going until he stumbled onto a main road. He realized that he and Pegasus had walked all the way to Tyrans, the great Mycenaean stronghold. What do you think, Pegasus? Is there a chance for redemption in Tyrans? Well, it's worth trying. Pegasus was not one to go indoors, so the beast took to the sky as Bellerophon entered the great throne room. There, the exiled prince found himself face to face with Proetus, the king of Tyrans. Bellerophon felt a glimmer of hope when he saw the man on the throne. Proetus was known to be a charitable and forgiving man. His eyes had a kindly glint about them, and his council chatted pleasantly amongst themselves. Who are you, stranger? Identify yourself. Bellerophon, Majesty. Son of Glaucus, son of Sisyphus. I'm here to serve you. The same Bellerophon who tamed a Terippus as his own steed? I did not tame Pegasus, Your Majesty. 
I merely befriended him. I see. And why would such an accomplished prince leave his country to serve another ruler in the Argolid? Surely you are needed at home? Corinth may have once been my home, but it is no longer. I am in exile for killing another man. I ask your mercy, though I deserve none. Intriguing. Who did you kill? A nobleman. It was a brawl that... I did not intend to kill him, nor did I feel any victory in the deed. You are a thrall of your own strength, is that it? If only I could explain it. Do you believe serving me will grant you redemption for the evil you have wrought? In truth, I do not. I merely wish to do good where I can. The man speaks honestly. I shall absolve you of this crime, young man. In return, I need you to do all you can to serve the throne in Tyrens with that powerful steed of yours. Is that understood? It is. Thank you. You are too kind. Now get this man a bath before his smell infects the whole palace. As the servants took Bellerophon from the chamber, another figure was watching from beside the throne, a tall woman with fiery eyes. This was Antea, the wife of Proetus. The very sight of Bellerophon stirred something in her. She was used to getting what she wanted, and she wanted him. Returning fresh from the bathhouse, Bellerophon set his meager handful of possessions in his new chambers. The lodgings were modest compared to what he had been used to, but he did not mind. He wondered if Pegasus was circling the skies above Tyrans. The Terippus cared for him, in spite of all that he had done. But surely the beast was on his way back to Corinth by now. There was no life for such a divine animal in the Argolid. His train of thought was interrupted when he saw a shadow lurking in the corner. Who are you? Did you not see me in my husband's court? I beg your pardon, my queen. There was so much to see in your lavish halls, I did not take note of every face. <laughs> Calm down, young man. You have done me no offense. Of course. To what do I owe your visit? My husband tells me you rode a Terippus into Tyrens. Is this true? It is a slight exaggeration, Queen Antea. I walked beside my friend Pegasus on the road here. But I have ridden him before. However, did you earn the trust of such a beast? With patience and the blessing of the gods. The gods gave you many blessings. You have Poseidon's gift with horses and Adonis's fair visage. Thank you, my lady. And yet you killed a man, a handsome, heroic killer. What am I to make of that? I made a mistake. My emotions got the better of me. You do not need to apologize for being a man of passion. What are you doing, my lady? Letting my emotions get the better of me. I'm sure you can empathize. This is not right. Please, my husband is kind, but such a dull man. Being a king leaves one exhausted at the end of the day, with no time to care for his wife's needs. 
Let me see you. Stop. Be mine for an hour, stranger. I am much better company than a winged stallion. Get back. Yes, get angry. Show me the passion you're made of. Lose yourself in it. <gasps> How dare you? You have pushed me too far, my queen. I suggest you leave. Why? I offer you the company of a queen, and you show such naked scorn. Because I am a murderer. The man I killed, his name was Deliades. He was my brother, half-brother. That sin is so great, I cannot sin again, even for a woman as fair as yourself. I will bring the wrath of Tyrens down on you. Lip quivering, the scorned Queen Antea turned and fled through the door, dress trailing behind her like a wisp of cloud. Bellerophon was alone yet again. He could feel that his hand was still red from where he had struck her. He closed it into a fist and squeezed until that feeling went away. He was too tired to worry about the consequences of his rejections. He was exhausted from his travels and fell fast asleep as soon as he hit the bed. What? What is it? What's going on? Without a word, guards dragged the still bleary Bellerophon into Proetus's throne room, where once again he stood at the foot of the king he wished to serve. This time, there was a hardness in Proetus's gaze that made him look downright fearsome. Is this the man you speak of? The foreign criminal who forced himself on you? Of course, my love. There is but one foreign criminal under our roof. What do you have to say for yourself, Bellerophon? Wise King Proetus, you are deceived. Really? How did Antea's face wind up so bruised? Your queen entered my chambers last night. I struck her when she refused to leave, though now I wish I had found a more peaceful means of removing her from my chamber. <laughs> what a pathetic liar he is. Why would I assault your wife after you granted me such hospitality? A monster like him does not behave logically. Generosity means nothing to him. Though I wish it were not so, I cannot kill a guest under my roof, lest I draw the ire of the gods. So you will live, Bellerophon. What? You will go to my father-in-law, King Iobates, in Lycia. You have harmed his daughter, so your fate will be in his hands. Give this message to King Iobates. My guards will escort you to ensure your safe travel there. Get him out of my sight. Bellerophon bowed his head, accepting the sentence without protest. As the guards led him out of the palace, Proetus gave him a sealed tablet to store in his bag. The guards escorted Bellerophon out of the city. Once again, he was exiled. But at least Pegasus was waiting for him at the gates of Tyrans, where he let Bellerophon mount him once again. In deference to the guards, Pegasus did not fly, but walked alongside them. Feeling the weight of the tablet in his pack, Bellerophon wondered what message it carried and what fate awaited him in his second exile.
When we return, Bellerophon finds a new home in a dangerous land, and Proidus' message seals his fate forever. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Now back to the story. King Iobates knew something had changed the very minute Bellerophon entered his city. As the sun set over the river Xanthus, the king felt a strange urge to step out onto his balcony and gaze over the city below. There, he saw a man riding through the gates, flanked by soldiers. He was not riding a normal horse. He sat astride a Terippus. The king forced his aching limbs to carry him back down to his throne room, where he awaited the new arrival. When the doors opened, he fought to conceal his excitement at seeing the winged horse loitering outside. Welcome, stranger. What brings you here on such a noble mount? Greetings, King Iobates. My name is Bellerophon. I was sent here by your son-in-law, King Proitus of Mycenae. Proitus? How fares that young scoundrel? He fares well, my king. And how does my daughter, Antea? Well, she is well. Splendid. No need to be dour. Show me this magnificent creature you rode in on. Pegasus does not like being indoors, your majesty. Then I shall meet him outside. Will that be a problem? No, my lord. Follow me. Be still, brother. This is King Iobates. He wants to meet you. Greetings. Um, Pegasus. Pegasus. You are most welcome here. What a fine beast. You must feast with me tonight. You look like a man who can devour a whole cow on his own. It would be my honor, your majesty, but there is one more thing. And what would that be? Proitus gave me this message to pass on to you. <sighs> oh, Proitus. I love the man, but he can be quite the busybody. Politics can wait. You look in dire need of repast. <laughs> and of course, we shall furnish a plate for Pegasus as well. Iobates welcomed Bellerophon like a son, treating him to a feast of fine food and finer wine. They drank, ate, sang, and conversed until the wee hours of the morning. And when they woke, he ordered more fresh food and they struck up again. 
Iobates rarely had guests, so he was yearning for an excuse to burn through his stores. Nine days passed in a haze of wine and revelry. While they feasted, Proetus's message lay unopened beside Iobates' throne. Occasionally, Bellerophon's eye would fall on it, and in his drunken state, he briefly considered opening it to know the message Proetus did not want him to see. Tell me, Bellerophon, why did you leave the hospitality of Tyrans? We had a disagreement. A disagreement? With my famously agreeable son-in-law? I understand if you find it difficult to believe. What was the nature of this disagreement? I would not wish to spoil your feast with such a discussion. My apologies. Iobates remained silent for most of that remaining night. Curiosity was growing in his rapidly sobering mind. He had been feasting with this man for nine days, but had never bothered to inquire why he had traveled so far from his home. As the party died down, Iobates stumbled over to his throne and opened the message lying beside it. He squinted to make out Proetus's scrawled handwriting. Pray remove the bearer of this message from the world. He attempted to violate my wife, your daughter. Iobates slumped back in his chair, mouth open in astonishment. He found himself face to face with the same dilemma his son-in-law dealt with just a week earlier. The gods forbade him from killing a guest under his own roof, but he could not let such a man live. He stood up and walked over to his table, where Bellerophon slept in his chair. He looked down at the handsome man, trying to reconcile this new friend with the horrific crime Proetus accused him of. You shall suffer for what you have done, Bellerophon. By the gods, you will suffer for harming my daughter. Bellerophon, awaken! Ugh, what hour is it? It does not matter. Your services are needed. What do you mean by this? I have so enjoyed feasting with you that I forgot to mention. I am in need of a hero. I am no hero. No hero started out as one. Iobates swept the still-sleepy Bellerophon out onto his balcony and pointed at the horizon. I see nothing. Beyond the horizon lies the land of Caria. There is a great danger there that needs remedying. Many a great hero have tried, but none have succeeded. What is this danger? Have you heard of the Chimera? Of course. It has made its home in Caria? Yes, and I task you with slaying it. Uh, my lord, that is too great a task. I... And it shall yield great glory if you succeed. Proetus sent you to serve me, yes? Yes. Then this is my wish. Bring whatever weapons you desire. My armory is open to you. As you wish, King Iobates. Though Iobates spoke genially, Bellerophon could tell that something had changed. Underneath the friendliness of his voice ran an undercurrent of rage, like a volcano about to erupt. Bellerophon knew what must have happened. 
His host had read the message from Proetus and knew why he was sent away. This errand was not intended to yield glory. It was a suicide mission. Bellerophon accepted his fate. The Chimera was a ferocious monster. It had the head of a lion, the body of a goat, and snakes for a tail. All who faced it perished. Bellerophon knew that he would likely perish as well, and he knew it was what he deserved for taking his own brother's life. The king allowed Bellerophon to arm himself from the city's armory before setting out. Outside the city walls, the doomed prince found Pegasus waiting for him. This is goodbye, brother. You have accompanied me on my many journeys, but I must take on this quest alone. To join me now is to die. Pegasus nudged Bellerophon so strongly that he fell over and landed in a sitting position on the ground. Bellerophon looked up at Pegasus, and he understood his half-brother clearly. They were bound unto death, whether they died at the hands of the Chimera or emerged victorious, they would do so together. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. If you enjoy mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every other Saturday, we dive into another dark, classic tale. You can find Tales, more episodes of Mythology, and all of ParCast's other podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast directory. Several of you have asked how to help mythology. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review while you're there. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, at Parcast, and Twitter, at Parcast Network. We'll be back next week with another epic tale. Mythology was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. Mythology is written by Robert Teamstra. The amazing cast of voice actors includes, by alphabetical order, Rebecca Aarons Diamond, Heston Mosier, Alistair Murden, Sammy Nye, Maneeb Raymond, and Brett Schneider. I'm Vanessa Richardson. <laughs>